This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us this morning. It's a little bit of a different service, but uh, I'm grateful to have you with us. Gifts are such a part of this time of year, right? And though we would all say Christmas is not about the gifts and all of those things, which is true, they're definitely a lot of fun and it's definitely a blessing to give them as it is to receive them. Yet there is something about seeing the joy on someone's face when they accept a gift. Uh, the way that their face brightens up and the, the genuine excitement that one has. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 says this, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This morning we're going to speak on uh, we're wrapping up the series that we've been doing, Examine the Heart, and we're going to look at the heart of giving. And I want to look again as we look at this thought, the heart of giving, I want to look as we did last week, we looked at the, the greatest example of giving that we could, the greatest example last week was that of a servant that we could, which is the gift of Jesus Christ. And the reality is, if you know Christ as Savior, You've received, you've accepted that gift, but you have the same opportunity to now be a blessing to give the greatest gift that's ever been given. The gift of Jesus Christ. We started in this series looking at a self-examination. We partook of, of communion together. Then we looked at a heart of thanks and we looked at a heart of worship, a heart of love, a heart of service, and today a heart of giving. This may ultimately be one of the greatest outcomes of an examined heart is answering this question, what do I do with the greatest gift that's ever been received? And as we examine our hearts today, as we kind of wrap this thought up this morning, obviously I think some of all of these things come out of this. As we examine our hearts, we would, we would love, we would be thankful, we would worship, we would serve, and we would give. Last week we looked at Jesus left heaven, the ultimate servant, he left heaven to come and, and join us and to be with us. To come and be with us. To serve and not be served. To point men to His Father. He healed. He raised from the dead. He did all of that with a heart of worship and a heart of thankfulness and a heart of serving and again a heart of giving. This Christmas, we're going to enjoy time with our families. We're going to enjoy time with friends whether they're here or they're out in another state or maybe in another country, whatever it would be, but we would, maybe we would talk on the phone or uh, Skype or FaceTime, whatever it would be. We're going we're gonna to think about our families or whatever there is, and we're going to look at all of those things. But what about if we just came into this season and we begin to think, what is the heart? And examining that heart of, do I have the heart of giving? Am I giving the gifts that I'm giving because of a, a true heart to give? And I believe with everything in me as we go into this, this season, as we go really kind of conclude this season in some regards, as we go into Christmas, that we can't go into this day no more than any other day with the giving heart if we fail to stop and recognize the life giving loving, kind, eternal gift that Jesus Christ is to all those who have accepted His eternal gift 
and for those that need that gift of eternal life. Today, the heart of giving is that we need to recognize that the gift of Jesus Christ is the greatest gift we could ever give and share. The gift of God is a gift of grace. It's a gift that gives life. It's a gift that causes us to work or to do the good works that God has called for us to do. We're going to look this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, in verses number 1 through 10. And we're going to answer or look at this question. And that question that I already stated earlier is, what will I do with the greatest gift that's ever been offered? For some, will you accept it? And for others, will you share it? Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bible with you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read the first 10 verses this morning, if you will. <coughs> Excuse me. It says in verse number 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father, I come to you this morning and I ask that you would use your word to pierce the hearts of those that sit here. God, will we be challenged, will we be encouraged to live out the life that you've called for us? Lord, there may be somebody this morning that, as we talk about the greatest gift that's ever been given, has never accepted that gift. They've never reached out and taken it. Lord, today may they come to a place where they would accept it. And Father, there's many that sit in this room that have to answer this question, what do I do and what am I doing with the greatest gift that I've ever received? Lord, would you challenge us? Would you speak to our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. The first thought is this, it's the gift of grace. The gift of grace. In the first three verses of this passage of Scripture of Ephesians chapter 2, we see that a believer was quickened, and you hath he quickened or brought to life, who was dead in sin and trespasses, who followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in sons of disobedience, who all of us once conducted ourselves as children of wrath. Listen, everybody in this room, uh, whether you know Christ as Savior today or you don't know Christ as Savior, uh, we look at this in a couple different ways. If you know Christ as Savior, there was a time where you lived in this manner. If you don't know Christ as Savior, we're going to look at it this morning, that you currently live, it says, you are dead in our sins and your trespasses. We all were once dead or currently are. That is literally what it means. Dead. Flatlined. Lifeless. Without any form of reaction. 
Sadly, like many of you, I've stood at the bedside of many who have gone on from this life. I've seen many take a last breath. I've held the hands of those that have taken that breath. I've held the hands of the family members as that has taken place. And no matter what the doctors have done, they've done all that they can do. The love of the family member, the love of the mother or the daughter or whoever it was, there is nothing that they could do to bring that loved one back to them. To bring them back to life. This passage of Scripture says, And you at the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins means exactly just that. And I'm not saying these things to be a Debbie Downer this morning, but the reality of it is if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a moment in your life, spiritually speaking, that you were dead, flatlined, nothing could get you. And it says in that moment, this word, the, the word of God says, where in times past you, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations. We were all there. We were all dead in those spiritual things. Listen, the Bible didn't impact you. As a matter of fact, it made you angry. The preacher was just a man who was greedy and just another guy who wanted you and wanted your stuff to, to throw all of their propaganda on you. Your attitude was, don't talk to me about your religion or your God. If your God was so loving and so powerful and so uh, all of these things, then why would all of this stuff happen to me? That was your mentality. You were dead in sin. Unaware of the grace of God. Verse number four says this, but God. See, here's what we have to understand this morning. Whether you sit in this room and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I pray that this is an encouragement to you. This is a challenge to you. If you sit in this room this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you've never reached out and accepted the gift and, and the, the gift of Jesus Christ who came and was born as a baby in a manger of a virgin, a babe who would live a sinless life, perfect. Our salvation is from our sin. We've been, we've been saved from our sin. And just like a doctor in medicine may work a work to save you from disease, the Savior has come to save us from our sins, eternally speaking. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the, or come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But as we look at this first thought, the gift of grace. The grace that God has bestowed upon us. The grace that, that God reached out. God loved so much that He gave His Son that we might have a hope. Our basic trouble in life is not about being in harmony with the heritage that we came from or with the environment, but out of being out of harmony with this creator. Our problem is not that we can we cannot make meaningful relationships with other human beings, but that we have we must be in right relationship with God. But here's the issue. Ephesians 4 and 18 says it this way, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because what? Of the blindness of their heart. His condition 
has nothing to do with the way he lives. It has to do with the fact that he is dead even while he is alive. And there's everybody in this room. You are either walking, a dead man walking, or you are a man who was raised to newness of life with Christ. You were quickened in life. The gift of God's amazing grace. But if we walk dead, or as many of you walked dead, all you can do is walk according to the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air. That's all that you know. Because as we spoke of earlier in Ephesians 4, the blindness, the ignorance that is in our heart. They adhere to this prince. Thus they fulfill the desire of the flesh and the mind because it's, that's our human nature. We are not dead, as it says here, because we sinned, but because it says we are in sin. That is how we were born, in sin and death. John MacArthur says this way, He does not become a liar when he tells a lie. He tells a lie because he already is a liar. He does not become a thief when he steals. He steals because he already is a thief. We were born with that nature. This is what it is to be dead. We either were or you are. And this morning, there is a decision for every person that sits in this room. There is a decision that must be made for each and every one of us in this room. What will I do with the greatest gift that's ever been offered? For some in this room, will I accept that gift that has been offered? And I recognize my sinfulness and I recognize the reality that I am dead and I've never been quickened to life. For others, we sit here in this room and you would say, well, I know Jesus Christ and I look at this passage of Scripture and I celebrate and you have the quickened because I know that I've been brought to life and I have life within me. And we celebrate that. But in that celebration, the question has to be for you and for me who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what do I do with the greatest gift that's ever been given to me? Because I could sit in a chair every single Sunday and say, oh, praise Jesus, I know God is Savior. And do nothing else with it. Or I can grow in my walk with God and I can know Him more intimately and I can do all of those things and praise God for the gift of grace that He's given to me and I can act and do something about it. This morning, what are you doing about it? What are you doing with the greatest gift that's been given to all of mankind? The gift of Jesus Christ, the Son who was born in a manger, what we celebrate right now because of Christmas season. Did not stay in a manger, but died and rose again three days later that you and I might have life if we accept that gift. What do we do with that gift? What do we do with that gift? says in verse number four, but God. The second thought is this, gives life. We look at this, that the gift of grace, the second thought is the gift of grace gives life. The gifts that we will be handed out this week will be with love. I'm going to give gifts to my children. We'll give gifts to family members and to friends Because we care for them. We love them. Maybe you will 
give gifts to some people that you're like, well, I kind of have to because I know they're going to get me a gift. Isn't that what we do for Christmas? Well, they gave me a gift last year, so I should probably do. It's not funny, I guess. But it's done with love. The gifts that we give are done with love. The gift that God has offered us to, to, uh, to us is a gift that is full of love. But in this love, it is a gift that gives life. Our salvation is from sin, but is by and covered with His love. But God, I pray that your story in your life has that statement, but God. I once was dead, but now I once was blind, the song says, right? But now I see. I pray that your story of life has that phrase in it somewhere, but God. See, because it says there in 2, we were in our times past. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We did all of those things, but God, it says, who is rich. In mercy, He loved us. It is an overabounding, without measure, unlimited mercy and love that He has. Salvation from God or for God's glory is by the motivation and power of God's great and amazing love. God is intrinsically kind, merciful, and loving. And in His love, He reaches out to you and I, as sinful, rebellious, depraved, destitute, and condemned people. And He offers a salvation and an eternal blessing that it brings. Man's rebellion is therefore not only against God's lordship and law, but it is against His love. This love and grace and mercy gives us and brings us into a spiritual life. Even in our death, He quickens us. Again, He brings us to life. And it says this, together with Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. God's gift doesn't just give me life. Yes, it does give me eternal life, but it gives me life in Him. It gives me life, it says, together with Him. I was buried with Him and I rose again with Him. It's with Him. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified, what does it say? With Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but what? But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... It's not just me living on my own. It's not just me doing the things that I want. But because of the gift of God's amazing grace, because of that gift, what does it say? But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a new life. And it's not just that I stand here and shout and scream and say, hey, we've been raised with new. No, we have been given a new life. Why? Because all of those things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
It's the gift that God has given to us. The gift of God's amazing grace. That gift of God's amazing grace wasn't just so that I could sit there, but it's God's grace to give me life. I said it last week, what? If we only had the energy of these children, right? Tuesday morning, if you open your gifts on Tuesday morning, they're not going to sleep in. They're going to be up at four or five or whatever time they're going to get up, which is not right at all. But they're going to be excited. They're going to be excited. Our kids at some point in the morning are going to come and, Mom, Dad, wake up, wake up. And we're going to act like we're asleep, right? Because that's what we do. And we roll over. Go back to bed. It's five o'clock in the morning. But their energy, their life, God desires that we would have energy and life as we walk new in this life that he's given to us. The gift that God has given us gives us life. Listen, when God raised Lazarus, what did he say to Lazarus? He said, Lazarus, come forth. But what did he say? He told Lazarus, he told them to unbind him, take off the stuff. He didn't just raise him to life as he was. He was wrapped. He was basically mummified. He was put in a tomb. And in those days, they would wrap you and they would put all the smelly good stuff on there and they would do all of those things and he would be wrapped up. They said what? Take all of it off of him. God didn't bring us back to life. God didn't bring Lazarus back to life so that he would be mummified and have to walk around like this, bound and shattered. No, he said, take it off of him because he has a new life. Listen, when God raised you from the dead, when God bestowed the gift of grace upon you, he gave you life. He didn't keep you tied up. He said, break them free, that they would have an abundant life in me. That is the gift that God desires for you and for me. What do I do with it? What do I do with it? This is ultimately, yeah, there's a benefit to you and I. I mean, there's a joy that I can have in Christ. But he did it for what? To honor and glorify his Father. In Revelation, it says this, chapter 7. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb, and all the angels stood around the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts. And what did it say that they did? And they fell before the throne upon their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto God forever and ever. Amen. Man, the life that I have, the amazing, it says the riches in this passage of Scripture. Rich in His mercy and His great love, which He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, He brought us to life. He quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it says in 7 that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That is right there that we would for all of eternity... Listen, there's coming a day where I will be visibly able to see the exceeding abundant riches that God has waiting for me. 
I just get the slightest bit of a glimpse of what God has done for me today. The slightest bit. I can't remotely understand or comprehend the joy, the amazing grace that God has given to me until one day I walk anew with Him. We'll never fully understand it. But the gift of God's amazing grace, one day I will, for all of eternity, bow and lay down before an almighty God and just worship and worship and tell him how holy that he is and how mighty and righteous and powerful. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This morning I offer to you the greatest gift that's ever been offered to anyone. As I look around the room, believe me, I understand that the majority of the people that sit here today are people that normally are here every single week. And you would say, but I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Praise God, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? But I can't help but think that there are some that sit in this room that maybe have sat in this room for years and years and years have never fully made it real and right within their heart that they know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Listen, don't, don't just think that one day ago, well, it was a, it was a time ago that I, I think that I did this. No, if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and I mean you don't know it without a shadow of a doubt, then make that right. God is providing to you, God has given to you, and He's given to me the greatest gift that could ever be given. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to accept it? Am I going to do just what it says? For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, there isn't one thing that you or I could do to earn salvation. It is not by anything that I could do. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I grew up in a Christian home whose parents grew up in a Christian home. But because there was a day that I recognized I was flatlined, I was dead. I, in my sin, I was dead and there was nothing my mom and dad could do about it. There was nothing that my family could do about it. There was nothing that anybody could do about it but me accepting the gift that God had given as I placed my faith in Him. This morning, where are you? Where are you with this gift of grace and love that God has provided for you and I that we would know Him intimately through faith? And I ask you again, are you done trying to do good enough so that one day you could hope to get to heaven and stand before God Or are you willing today to understand that there's nothing that you can do? You can't go to church long enough. You can't give enough. You can't say the right thing enough. Only by the grace of God as you place your faith and trust in Him. What will you do with the greatest gift that's ever been offered this morning? Will you accept it? Or believer, as you've already accepted, what will you do with it? As he lives inside of you. The last thought this morning is this. It's unto his good works. Unto his good works. Oh, the grace that brings us 
to an eternal life, thus bringing us unto His good works. This is Really, for many of us in the room, this is where this series kind of comes full circle. This is where it becomes very real to us. That what I know, that what has come inside of me, that I've recognized that I've been quickened to life, that I've been brought to life, I recognize that it's done together. There is a but God moment in my life where Jesus has radically changed me. Inside of that moment, it says in verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. I am not, I've never been saved so that I could sit on a pew and say, I know Jesus. I don't believe within me that God saved one person out of the pit of hell so that we could sit in a church building and say, oh, I love Jesus on Sunday for the hour and a half that I'm with Him and I live like hell the rest of my life. I don't believe in that. There's nowhere in Scripture, anywhere that I can see, anywhere that I've ever read, that that is a part of salvation's story for one person. I don't believe that. I believe that when God radically changes and grabs a hold of our hearts, there's a new life, and there's a new work that happens out of that. No, those works do not save you. But when something changes your heart, When God gets inside of you and God lives inside of me, the things that I once did, I do not any longer want to do. I don't want to be a part of that junk anymore. Why? Because God has changed me. I don't want to do those things. And when God changes me, I no longer want to do it. God's word says to repent. That is to turn and go the opposite direction as fast as I can go. So much inside of our culture says, just, just ask Jesus to come into your heart and you'll be okay. Listen, I'm not here to, to second guess the decision that you've made to come to Christ. But I'll tell you, God's word is very clear what happens to somebody that comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior. It speaks of a fruit that comes from my life. It speaks of a change in my actions. It speaks of the the good works that God has presented before us. These good works have, again, nothing to do with our salvation. However, they have much to do with living out our salvation. John 15 and verse number 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. If you were with us last week, I talked about what that looks like to bear fruit. That you and I as believers are a seed. And as we die unto ourselves, as I, as I die to myself spiritually speaking, and I go into the ground as I am dead, now I can come back to newness of life. Now out of that seed, now brings forth fruit. Why? But I have to die, and I have to die every day in my life. Every day. I have to say, God... Man, I need you today. Today, this is not about me. God, what can I do? How can I, not what can I do, but but where can I meet you along this path? Where can I meet you along this path? And how can I, I just want to meet you today. But I have to die. And as I die and I'm, 
then brought to life. It says in this passage that we would bear much fruit. Before we can do the good work for the Lord, He has to do His work inside of us. By God's grace, made effective through our faith, we become His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's the same power that created us in Christ Jesus unto good works that gives us the power to do those same exact things. That God the Father would be glorified in our lives. The works that God is talking about are the the verifiers, if you will, of our salvation. We say it all the time. I can tell you I'm a Christian all day long. But when nothing in my life speaks to Christianity, everyone around us goes, I just don't know about that. That's what this is speaking of. And when the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and dwells inside of me, there is nothing in our lives. We should be be just like Christ. Christ hates sin. Christ can have no part of sin. That's why he sent his son to die, to forgive the sin. God's word speaks to the heart of giving through our good works. 2 Corinthians 9, having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. 2 Timothy 3, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, what? Unto all good works. Titus 2, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, what? Zealous, desiring to do the work that God has called for us to do. I'm going to ask you the question again, as I've said many times already tonight, or this morning, what are you doing with the greatest gift that has ever been given? Are you sitting on it this morning? Are we sitting on it? Oh, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I'm okay. I don't want to be a fanatic. Listen, I'm not asking you to be fanatic. God never asked you to be a fanatic. God never asked you to do anything but what? Die. God, here I am. And if that means that the rest of the world looks at me as a lunatic and a fanatic, then I guess so be it. Because my job is not to please you. My job is to die and give myself to Him and honor and glorify Him. And might it cause you a little grief and pain? Sure it might. But it cost Him His life. What am I going to do with the gift that God's given to me? If I were to be real honest with you this morning... Much of my adult life, I've been serving in full-time ministry since 2004. Prior to that, I worked in uh, ministry uh, in a part-time setting. Almost 20 years I've been doing ministry, be it to children and adults. And I'm ashamed to stand before you and say, much of that time... I sat in an office and I did a, a good thing and most people would say, oh, he's such, a, he's such a good guy. He loves children. He loves teenagers. He gives of himself. Begin to examine your heart. And I promise you, you'll no longer be able to sit in an office 
or you'll no longer be able to sit in a chair. You'll no longer be able to do the things that you thought you were doing correctly because everybody else thought you were good. Because God will tear you up inside. Because here's what that is. That is a double-minded man which is unstable in all of his ways is what God's Word says. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. What does it say in Revelation? That he would spew you out of his mouth. He doesn't want us to sit on a fence. He asks me the question, Aaron, what will you do with the gift that I've given to you? I ask you the question, what will you do with the gift that God has given to each and every one of us this morning? For some, will you accept it? Will you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? For others in this room, you would say, I know Jesus Christ. There's not a doubt in my mind that I know Jesus Christ. I would have been that person. There's not a doubt in my mind I knew Jesus Christ but I wasn't doing what I was asked to do with the gift. Because as a professional Christian, as many have called me because of my profession, I would sit in my office and many would say, well, you're, you're doing, oh, you're so good. All the while I know. No, I'm sitting in an office and I look the part, and I play the part well, and I do genuinely love God, and I do genuinely love people. But it became easy to sit and to teach and to outwardly look the part, but not allow God to completely change me. Because I would say, well, I've got all this going, I'll keep this. And I don't really like to talk to people. I like to be quiet in a room. I don't want to share the gospel. I don't want to be the guy that's weird. Can I tell you, the greatest thing that I've done in the last several months of my life is be the guy that's weird. Because I just said, God, I'm sick of just sitting. God, examine my heart. I want to have a heart of giving. And a heart of giving, I'm sure some of you looked at that paper when you sat in here and you're like, oh my word, we're doing a sermon on finances on Christmas. <laughs> Listen, there's an aspect of giving financially to the Lord. But he just wants my heart. And this morning, it's not so much about what you're giving financially to the church. It's about, does he have my heart? Because if he has your heart, the question is this, what do you do with the greatest gift that's ever been given? That ought to convict you. That ought to convict us. This Christmas, this day, what will you do with the greatest gift that's been offered? Have you accepted the gift? Have you reached out and said, yes, I am in sin. I'm living my life just like this passage speaks of. And I need brought to life. I need a quickening in my life. Is that you this morning? Is that you? Would you reach out and accept the free gift of salvation? And believer, as you examine your heart, 
What are you doing with the gift that you've accepted? Is it hid away so that one day when you have passed from this life, you'll be okay? Or are you taking the gift that God has given to you, putting it to good work, and saying, hey, man, let me tell you about the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And that can be done verbally, because God's word says the word of God must be used in the plan of the gospel. (laughs) But as I live my life every day, I hope my life points to Christ. And as the opportunity to open my mouth to present the gospel, I pray that I take that opportunity. But if I'm not examining myself and I'm not ready and prepared to say, God, will you use me in that regard? I'll never do it. I'll never do it. And I'll walk past every situation thinking that I'm doing okay. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.